systems are offline. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. The Pat and AJ Podcast. Well, because they got great banter. They jib jab. Jib jab, jib jab, jib jab. Pat and AJ. I feel like the conversation we've been having in the last five minutes is a lot more interesting than the shit they're talking about on the radio. Just moronic commentary and stupid sound effects, and it's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. It's the Pat and AJ Podcast. podcast. See, I'm realizing this is... um, the good structure that church put in my life. We can talk later about the effect of Catholicism on my life. But the structure on Sundays in my house, you had to get up because you had to go to church. Now, we, we did the noon mass, which was the late mass. There was a 9 a.m. And it was a 10.30 Polish. Say we always did the 10, 10.30, yeah. whatever it was. And then there was a nooner, right? So my family already went to the, the late one. But we were still kind of like slow risers, but you had to get up and get fucking moving and like doing something on a Sunday. And um, again, we're not into the traditional organized religion thing um, anymore. The, anymore. <laughs> and it, it's it's like uh, fucking 315 and our kids still in in, uh, in bed. Yeah. So I know I'm like, you know, if we would have had to throw the tie on them like Bart Simpson on Sundays and drag them off to the church, at least he'd be up by 11 a.m. He'd fucking hate us. Yeah. But he'd be up by 11 a.m. I mean, we we did, and, like, I still consider myself Catholic, kind of. You're I just, a practicing Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. and, and I'm a former Catholic. Pat's a former Catholic, no longer Catholic. I'm an agnostic. He's agnostic. That's where I think there's something, but I don't know what the fuck it is, and I, don't, I think it's obnoxious that people try to pretend they do. So, our son, like, we, he went to Catholic church with us for quite a while, <laughs> and we realized that with his, you know, autism spectrum, he asked a lot of questions that we really could. A lot of answer. poignant questions, man. Yeah, I mean, like he was just so matter of fact about it, yeah. and he was asking us questions that we didn't know the answers to. And finally, we were just like, "All right, this church thing is not going to work out." No, like we fair. thought about sending him to um, what's it called, the Church of the Sea, so he can become a Catholic. Catechism. Cas- catechism. We thought about starting to send him to that, but then I'm like, "What's going to happen when we're not there?" And he's asking these questions of other people. <laughs> See, they used to shut me down growing up. I went to Catholic school. That's why um, I have really interesting conversations with these days. Schools and what we teach in schools is like a hot fodder topic. And I always tell people that I went to the original school choice, yeah. which was Catholic. It was when people said, "I don't want you really learning education. I want you learning more spirituality." Right. So I kind of learned through a different spectrum, and it was funny because if you know. You hit uh, whoever was teaching you, right? A, a, a nun, a teacher, a priest, a brother, whatever. If you got into too many questions like that, they always shut it down with, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. That's a holy mystery. Try saying that you to You got to have kid. a little faith, kid, right? Try saying that to a kid with ASD. It's a mystery. Like, they're not going to accept that. Like, so. I don't know. So instead today, we just became the people who go out and hang out with our dog instead <laughs> oh, we did of hang going out to church. Dog. What's our dog doing over there? He's, oh, he, oh, he's got a ball. Yeah, remember, found a, found a he has ball. two baskets of toys in this room. And oh, he's we, going through the toys. Yeah, yeah, we don't let him in here. I only let him in here when I'm working or when we're doing the podcast. So, like, he comes in here and he forgets about all these toys and gets really excited. Well, yeah, so this is what we're doing here. Uh, episode 225, by the way. Welcome on in. 225th episode of the Illustrious Pat and AJ podcast. Appreciate you being here. I'm uh, so bloated from lunch. Oh, my God. Yeah, instead. It was so good. <laughs> spend our Sunday here hanging out with our dog because the kid is still asleep. We took the dog to the dog park which I've never been to. This is AJ's territory. Anyone out there ever go with your spouse to a place that they've kind of already like claimed um, territorial rights over? 
It's kind of like if, you know, I don't know. I'm just making shit up. You live in Plover, Wisconsin, and your husband always goes to some corner bar. And then after like six months of going, he's like, you should really go with me. Yeah. And then when you show up, he knows the entire layout of the bar. Yeah. He, he knows, knows the bartender. Yeah. He knows where the bathroom is. He knows, oh, there's the little dark game over there. And you're like, okay, you've staked out your claim. I'm just being escorted into your territory. Your world, yeah. AJ has been the dog park lady just by nature of the schedule. She's up early in the morning. Obviously, we're in Arizona for a certain amount of the year. Not now. Not now, but for about four months. About four almost, months. Sometimes five months of the year. You got to go. You, you got to get your dog out before the sun comes up. Yeah. Otherwise, it's too hot for them and for you to be out. So, so yeah. I've, I've heard about this dog park, and AJ tells me not, not only about the dog park, but um, the community of the dog park, all the different dog park owners. Obviously, I'm having coffee with uh, somebody I met at the dog park tomorrow. <laughs> the the different dogs. Chose, oh my goodness! There's another bulldog there that's named this. It's just like our bulldog. So I hear all these things, and finally, after like I mean, it's been literally I think six to nine months of her doing this with me. Today, I got to go to the to the uh, dog park of Oro Valley. That's a nice dog park. It is. Holy shit! Now I know why she goes there. This thing is nice. No offense to the one we used to go to in Grand... Was it Grand Blank? Grand Blank, Blank, uh, uh, Michigan. No no, offense, you guys. Yeah, this place kills it. Holy ball. This is a really nice dog park. It's a beautiful view. Got a nice view of the uh, mountains out there, but we spent a nice day this Sunday. It's a beautiful, glorious Sunday here where we are. I said it wouldn't be quite the same because we're we're not going at 6 o'clock in the morning on a weekday. True. So it's a different group of people. That was true. It, It wasn't the normal crowd. AJ said that. As soon as we got there, she goes, oh... These are all new dogs. I've never seen these dogs. Now, don't don't get it twisted. She quickly did figure out she knew a few people there, yeah, and were, there were connections, yeah. and she was talking. But it was very much like going to the office party with your wife. Yeah. She knows the office. And and you're just kind of there on her arm like, oh, hello? Oh, yes. Oh, I've heard. Oh. Oh, yes, that's you. Um. So, yeah, we went to the dog park, and then... We're both sitting there and saying we're hungry. And I said, you know what? We've got the dog with us. We could just go get some fast food, which, you know, we kind of ate a lot of fast food yesterday. So we, ate, we ate pretty shitty this weekend. Yeah, and I was like, why don't we, like, be grownups and go somewhere, you know, with, like, quality food? There's a ton of dog-friendly restaurants in Oro Valley. Because a lot of, I mean, a, I mean, just aside from a lot of people having dogs, a lot of snowbirds bring their dogs with them. Well, and it's, I feel like a little bit of a culture thing, and I don't know where the culture is in Michigan, in the Chicago's and Wisconsin's. We're an outdoor community here. Yeah, That's see, what it is. I, I, I realized, like in California, we went and we uh, kicked off our summer by going out to Oceanside. And when I was searching Airbnbs, in my mind, because again, I'm a hardened Midwesterner, Animals stay at home. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, this is going to be a to-do for me to try to find an Airbnb that allows a dog. Lo and behold, apparently that cultural standard has already been set in California because not only does every Airbnb allow dogs, but every goddamn place in the world is like, yeah, just leash your dog, you're fine. Yeah, that's all they care about. So I'm not quite in that mindset yet, but here we are a little, you know, we are we are connected. And so maybe it's an outdoor culture thing. It's an outdoor culture thing because even when, even in the quote unquote winter, you can be outside sure. all day long. We didn't have that in the Midwest. So of course there's not going to be as many dog friendly places, especially restaurants. You don't want you, them when, inside, right? You, yeah, you don't want them in the dining room. Take and I get that. Dog taking a shit in the middle of a dining oh room. Oh my God. Could you imagine that? Terrible. 
Well, I, you know what? Listen, I'll tell you, not that I was, you know, at all concerned about it, but AJ just kind of threw it at me like, hey, there's a place we can bring the dog. It's I, really close to the dog park. Yeah. I was like, why not? We just try it. Sure. Why not? We'll be one of these people. And um, it, it went fucking great. And that wasn't even something that I even considered. I didn't even think, man, what if he would have took a big stinky poopy or what? If, I mean, I mean, and, and we're outside. I understand. Yeah. But still, what if he would would, would have taken a pee? Well, this is why you take him to the. This is why we went to the dog well, park smart. first. Yeah, see, she knew. He all ran this. himself ragged. He got all of his insides out, yeah. and then by the time he got to the restaurant, he was pooped. He just kind of sat there and drank some water, and people watched. That was it. I felt like uh, I told her. I I said I feel like if they were to shoot the Real Housewives of Tucson, <laughs> this would be one of the places and yeah. scenes because you're sitting there. Like, I ordered a fucking mocktail. You know, I don't drink uh, booze anymore, so I got one of these fancy mocktails. And the food is like, it's it's like... Kid, upscale bar, it's, it's uh, bar upscale, food. It's a gastropub. Yeah. So, yeah, it's upscale bar food. So, I'm sitting there with, like, some fruity little mocktail. Got a fucking dog at my feet with a <laughs> bowl of water that, that they brought out for him. Everybody that walked by came to yeah. say hi to him. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Once, those once again, when I always go back to when my great-grandparents got on that goddamn boat and said, we're going to go to America, this is why they did it. They said, we want a descendant of ours to be able to eat fried Brussels sprouts drizzled in bacon with his dog while enjoying the outdoor weather in November. Come on. It's the American dream. We're definitely having a moment with our dog who is behind me attacking the closet door. And I don't know what for, but it's fine. I don't care. (laughs) I don't know what he's trying to get, and I don't really care as long as he's busy. If I can compare this, parents... Do you ever have to one day maybe reckon that your kid is not always in in the right? And I know for for some parents, that's an easy conclusion. You go, well, yeah. Other parents sometimes are like, listen, little Timmy would never do this. You know, my ex-boyfriend, his parents were like that with their kids. All three of them. Like, they could do no wrong. Could do no wrong. Ever. And it was... Super bizarre to me because my dad was really hard on me like growing up and I wasn't a bad kid, but he was hard on me. So like to watch parents that are, I'm like, no, your kid is not always right. None of us are always right. What is wrong with you? So I want you to go ahead and think about that. And you know, then maybe one day you get irrefutable proof that your child is not not the angel you thought the angel. Maybe they get a detention. The first detention you explain away. Then they get a suspension. And then all of a sudden they get their fucking first DUI at like 23. And you're like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I should approach this differently. I feel like we apply that same kind of blind love, faith and trust into the animals of our lives. We'd like to believe they're the most perfect little humans, uh, humanoid figures. And, and they, they do no wrong. But then one day you are just presented with irrefutable proof from an outside third-party vendor that goes, maybe you need to look at things through a new light. It's been really hard for us, too, because with our last dog, our mini schnauzer, Pepper, who died in January at the age of 14, she was truly an angel. Everyone loved her. She was an angel dog on earth. She was good with everybody, everything, every place. I mean, she was truly an angel. Everybody loved her. And everybody would always say, well, your dog is a reflection of its owner. So we thought we did a good job raising her. And we have raised this bulldog the exact same way, or so we thought. Sometimes, is it nature, not nurture? Yeah, I was like, well, we're, I think we're, we're doing the same thing. We're doing it right. And, you know, I thought he was, he's always been kind of anxious. We knew that. We knew that when we got him. 
Like when the well, court- yeah, they they said that they said he's the runt of the litter. He's kind of anxious. He's not as like forward and you know like as alpha as a dog as some of the other puppies. And we're like, oh, this works great for us. Listen, we have the irrefutable proof that Phineas the Bulldog. Of course, you can follow him on Instagram, Phineas underscore the underscore Bulldog. That our little precious angel of slobber who we love so much and post pictures about and just fawned all over how nice he was. You can see a picture of him at lunch, by the way, on our social media. Of course. Um, We have some irrefutable proof, unfortunately. And it comes uh, into the form that a lot of folks probably find out some bad news. It's from the veterinarian. Now, hang on. Let's be specific here. It's from the eye specialist. It's from the eye specialist. He's the an eye angel. surgeon. Yes, he's an angel at his veterinarian's office. They love. They get excited when he comes there. Well, so that's why this was such a shock. I found out that our dog has been labeled a biter. Oh my god! Um, at his eye surgeon's office. Now the dog. He is an English bulldog. For anyone out there who has that kind of dog or, or similar any breeds, kind of bulldog, yeah. you probably know about the cherry eye surgery, right? Very common kind of thing, a preventative measure you can take. And we just got done with the cherry eye surgery with our little bulldogger. And, and this was, um, you know, his regular veterinarian told me, Hey, you know, she's like veterinarians can do this surgery, but you'll have a better success rate. If you go to an eye specialist, yeah. it's kind of like how a primary care physician, they can prescribe you a basic antidepressant. If you say you're bummed out, Yeah, but you may want to go see a psychiatrist. If you really have some psychiatric yeah, issues, you may want to expound on that. And that's what she said. She's like, here's the name of an eye specialist for dogs, for animals in the, the area. So for this surgery, we took him to the eye specialist specialist. And like I said, he, his veterinarians love him. They think he's great. The whole office, like they literally bring people around to see him when he's there. So I, silly me, I thought the eye specialist would be as smooth of an operation as taking him to the vet. No, 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 no. Our dog is officially now the muzzle dog, um, in case you didn't know. And it's so bad because it's, it's literally, it's on his fucking chart. I mean, before yeah. he comes in the place, they go, oh, this is Finn. He's a biter. So we're going to, I mean, they literally asked us to fucking sedate the dog. Yeah. Before we brought him in, they said, you know, they prescribed him trazodone to take just <laughs> literally just for before this appointment. And the yeah. funniest part is I'm on trazodone to help me sleep. They gave the dog twice as yeah. much trazodone yeah, as I take go. as a grown human being. That's how you, that's how your life's going right now. My dog's on more trazodone than I am. Well, because we picked it, we picked him up from the eye surgery, and you know, I guess so. The consultation went okay. You took him to the consultation. Yeah, I mean, they don't do too much besides drop a few eye drops in there and kind of like pull. They, they it's, it's not very invasive. I yeah. think they know very quickly what's going on. So Pat took him to the consultation. Everything was fine. We took him to get a surgery, and I picked him up from the surgery which I was nervous about because I'm like, this is going to be like, it's either going to be great or it went really bad. And it was funny because the vet tech was very chill about it. She said, well, I have a pit bull at home, so I know, you know, they can be stubborn. They can be kind of pushy about stuff, but she's like, I'm used to it. She's like, he was a little bit, uh, he was a little bit nippy when we started to touch his eyes and stuff. Apparently they had to give him two different kinds of sedatives to get him to be knocked out for the surgery. Like the one had a double z- dose. Yeah. It, it was like, he was a velociraptor. It had zero effect on him. The first one, she's like, did nothing. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> so the vet tech tells me all that. And then 
She brings in Finn with a little cone and little stitches in his eyes. <laughs> and then the actual eye surgeon comes in. Yeah. She was not quite as amused with his behavior as the vet tech not was. Not as chipper. Yeah, the vet tech kind of giggled about it because she, she's like, I have a pit bull. I get it. Uh, yeah, the, the surgeon was like, no, he was... Uh, he was pretty naughty. He was very, he fought back a lot. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know he was so badly behaved. And then sure as shit, Pat takes him in for his follow-up mm-hmm. appointment this past Wednesday, sees his chart. Yeah. They labeled him as a biter. Biter, yeah. <laughs> Caution, biter. Literally, they got one thing done on him. They tried to do something else. And the second he opened his mouth, they're like, you know what? Let's go and get that muzzle. It's just a- just go ahead and do that. He's never bit anybody or anything in our house. Yeah. I mean, Except he, me. Don't well, get me wrong. He'll gnaw my fucking arm off when me and him are like wrestling well, on the ground. but that's the difference. You guys, you know, you guys, yeah. are, we call it ru- uh, rumpus time. Rump, rumpus time. Yeah, we beat the shit out of yeah, each other on the ground. Yeah, they beat the shit out of each other on the ground. And sometimes <laughs> he'll he'll bite, but oh, not. fuck. Sometimes I'm like, gentle. Well, and it's funny, too, because like there's, there's been times Pat's like put his hand in the dog's mouth and the dog still won't bite him. Like he'll he'll clamp down a little bit, but, yeah, he's, but he, doesn't he doesn't try to hurt you. But during rumpus time, you know, he gets worked up. Sometimes he'll bite a little hard. And but other than that, I'm like, he's never bitten a stranger. That's he's he never is. gone after somebody. This is it. I even texted my sister. I said, I feel like a failure of a dog mom because they labeled my dog yeah. as a biter. And my sister, who was also a dog person. This is how my poor angelic grandmother must have felt <laughs> when little Patrick, her second chance at life. Started fucking up and getting into all this problem. <laughs> They're like, little Patrick called a nun a bitch. And she's like, you are out of your mind. I didn't know he was a biter. <laughs> Get out of here. My sister texts me back and she goes, well, of course he's a biter. I mean, they went at his eyes with needles and knives. I mean, she had a great point. <laughs> it's not like we can talk to him like rough, rough, you know. Uh, what we're doing is about to help yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's like, hey, we're going to jam shit in your eyes, and, and we, we hope you We're going to stitch us. up your eyelids. I mean, I mean, I'd be pretty upset, too. Not so. saying that it's okay, but I definitely felt like a failure of a dog mom that he is labeled as a biter. <laughs> now, thank goodness, you know, barring some. Well, we just went to a dog park, and he was running around with dogs and people he didn't bite anybody and that's why i was so sad i'm like okay well thank goodness we probably knock on wood will not have to go back to this eye specialist because yeah. it seems like we got the yeah, problem he's, under control he's done now yeah so you know as long as he's good at his regular vet and he doesn't hurt strangers <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't bite anybody he's fine i mean he was oh he was so so good at the dog park he just you went up bite. to everybody and you know got snuggly for butt scratches. i don't think <laughs> i don't believe how you act in medical settings should be a representative of your character well i mean medical settings are stressful they're, for any they're, they're living very being, anxiety. They're whether anxiety you're a person or a dog i mean shit I, I mean i've had to tell my doctor that before like it, it hasn't happened anytime recently but there were a few times where my like blood pressure was like through the roof mm-hmm and she looked at, they'd look at my chart and be like, you have historically low blood pressure. And I was like, well, I'm at the doctor. I'm nervous. Jeez. So yeah, it's stressful for anybody. So I'm trying not to like hold that against him. But yes, as a dog mom, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, I was just talking about that with uh, one of my clients about, you know, you know, this is a weird because I had a, a pot fucking high dream of a thought like years ago. And all my fellow therapists at the time were like, it won't happen. But before the pandemic, I said, man, you know, people get so goddamn worked up about going to see a therapist. Sure, yeah. I mean, the whole goddamn uh, plot of The Sopranos is a guy who doesn't want anyone to know he's seeing a therapist, right? And he hides and does all types of weird shit. 
Um, and I said, wouldn't it be cool if we did a thing called therapy to you? And like, you could show up, like maybe a person likes their backyard. Yeah. You do therapy in their backyard. Maybe they like a certain uh, park bench. You go to the park it's bench. A comfortable setting. And I remember at the time I was in school and all the, the grown up therapists were like, oh, you'll, no, that'll do. You'll never get insurance for that. <laughs> yeah. You'll never, never. They told me all the reasons. They go, I hear you. I hear why I you're saying what it, you're saying. but it's never going to happen. And then, of course, within six months, the world goes sideways. And, and now we're all doing therapy from our own houses. And what is that? It is a comfortable, comfortable place, setting, right? Yeah. So, in, so literally, it is therapy to you. Yeah. I am meeting you wherever you want because trust me, I have people that are like, "Hey, I'm at my favorite park bench, you know, in whatever park where I can look at whatever mountain while oh, I God, talk." My to you. therapist is so relaxed about everything. Like after a few appointments, I mean, I've been seeing her for a year now. Um, good for you yeah that's that's like an anniversary worthy of celebration like a uh like a relationship like you would celebrate a one-year relationship if you were dating someone here's the funny part and i won't divert too much i started seeing her this time last year because my dad had a part of his leg amputated because of the the betis yeah yeah. because he doesn't take care of his betis um and i shit you not the exact same day one year later as in this past week I get a phone call. Yeah, my dad had a massive infection in his hand and fingers and had to have surgery because of the beatus. And that's why you celebrate that one-year anniversary yes. because now you're going to have to make another goddamn I know. relationship program. But it's just funny because I haven't seen her for a year now. But yeah, just recently over Good the last you. few months, we kind of did some phone appointments because I'd just been really busy. Yeah. And I realized I was more comfortable with that than the video because I, even though I would, I would kind of- you look at yourself? Well, I, I swipe away the video so I can't see myself, mm-hmm. but it always affects the quality yeah. of our conversation. Like there's, you know, moments of freezing and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. once we started doing the phone, I'm like, hey, it's nothing personal. I love looking at you. I'm like, it's just, I feel more comfortable sitting in my backyard, just chatting on the phone. Like I open up more than if I'm on video and she's like, Oh, absolutely. I'll call you. And it was that simple. And now we do it over the phone. Yeah. I have clients that do the same thing where it's some summer video and you know, like you said, some tech issues, maybe you don't have the best, um, uh, cell phone service wherever your home is. So you can't have a steady yeah. video signal. So you'd rather do a phone call. But again, comfortability, yeah. right? Are you comfortable sitting on the phone in your house? Does it make it a better experience and more open experience say, for you? For you as a therapist, like that's what you want for your clients the most is for them to be comfortable oh, yeah. because then they open up more. So you don't give a shit. Oh, I how think it is. about, I think about those trips because I, you know, I'm, I'm part of the generation of like uh, therapy counseling was punishment, right? Like I did yeah. bad shit. And a result of the punishment you was, to go to therapy. You had to go to therapy, like when I swore at the nun. So, but <laughs> I had to go to like, um, I remember you had to go to the therapy place. So my mom would drive you. There's one to place. To be fair, by the way, that nun did seem kind of like a bitch. Nun is a bitch. She seemed very mean. <laughs> um, but I, there was one place, it was in Chicago. We'd have to drive 63rd and Kenzie. So you had to go to there. Yeah. I remember once in high school, her dragging me out. I used to go to a therapist then in the suburbs. And it was this big, you know, we had to drive like to-do, 45 yeah. minutes out to see him. It was a, in, in me as a teenager, you're thinking there's, 90 million other things in the world I yeah. want to do. And your your mom is thinking, I barely have time for just the regular shit. Now yeah, how I've the got, fuck do yeah. I get my kid to therapy? God bless her for trying to do something with me, right? But I mean, now by the nature of how we do stuff, I love it. I love the fact that we bring some medical services to you. Obviously, some people out there, you fucking have a, a hernia, you got to go in and get poked and prodded at. And there are a lot of people who physically like to go in and see yeah. their therapist, which is yeah. fine. <gasps> What's the problem? Oh, is the uh, kid up already? Probably. What's Time is it? 
337. Good God. Good for you. Shut that door, probably. Good for you. All right. Well, you're fine, buddy. So we did some of our um, own therapy this weekend. Besides, did you see your actual therapist? No, last week. No, I saw her last week. And she's like, hey, you know, if you want to talk, because I I need to take like two weeks off now because I have two two huge things going on. And she was like, oh, I can see you next week if you want, unless you don't really feel like you need to talk. And I told her at, at that time, no, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'll be good for a few weeks. I'll talk to you after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then my dad uh, went to the VA and had a bunch of infections See, scraped I mean, out of his hand. I, have a, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing the uprise already in just Thanksgiving dinner. I need to get ready for that. You, you have shit on top of shit. And, yeah, you know, I should have seen her this weekend, but geez. I didn't. So I did a different kind of therapy. Yeah, uh, we went out this weekend. Of course, AJ talks about her life. She go out. She, listen, the woman does a lot. Um, she has lots of different little communities she's a part of, and she the dog park, the Irish dancing. She does things and goes places. She made a friend. She's going to get coffee tomorrow. I know I'm going to have friend, like coffee with a local friend. So, but but for me, it's a much bigger, much bigger deal. I live in my little bat cave here, and I do my work and shit. But then I I come out like a rock star. I come out like a cicada. You know, I was cicada. They do shit for 16 years, and then they come out and they're all loud as fuck, and they yeah. just take over everything. So that's, that's what he does. That's what I do. So I come out the cave this weekend. Um, um, we had a little local music festival in town. It's called Dusk. Um, it's it's kind of, um, if you can imagine, for those of you who are hip to it, Lollapalooza, where it's a city festival, right? It's, it's downtown. It's a city, is, you know, essentially in the middle of the city, we put on this big music festival. Now, of course, take the size of Lollapalooza and chop it 75%. Yeah, it's three stages. Yeah, say it's a very small um, festival here that's two days, but it really is in the middle of downtown. It's on a, a plaza that's kind yeah, of... we have this amazing uh, plaza Yeah, here what's, in, what's the name of it's it? It's called Jacome Plaza. Yeah. It's it's right in the middle of downtown, in the middle of like the old courthouse and all the high rises. Like but, really like, cool, like just yeah, historic shit is it's there. It's historic and like they can shut it down for anything because all the buildings around it, you can get to another way. Yeah. So they shut down this plaza for like a ton of festivals. I was going to say, we you just did something there with your Irish dancing, yeah, it's right? Called, it's called Tucson Meet Yourself. It's basically all the different cultures in Tucson, all the different cultural groups come together with booths, dancing, food, and that's in Jacome Plaza. I mean, there's a ton of events in that plaza, but yeah, they do this music festival in the plaza. It's got three stages, food trucks, art installations. It's really cool. And it's, you know, it's close to home. It's, you know, 20 minutes away. Sure. We can sleep in our own beds and it's, it's a blast. I yeah. love it. Well, it's, um, it's real chill. Yeah. It's, it's, a uh, you know, I'd say electronic with a little sprinkle of like indie college rock. And then there's always, and I realize this is where we fall now. They have what we call the golden oldie, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, meat on a stick right now. I used to kind of never get this concept, and I'll tell you where I where I first really figured it out. We used to work um, in Wisconsin doing country music radio, yeah. and for a while we worked with a country music festival up in Rhinelander called the Hodag Music Festival. And the Ho- the Hodag Music Festival had a had a very specific formula for their artists, and the first night of the festival had the quote unquote. Classic, classic country artists, yeah. Everyone else, they were very um, modern, even sometimes like up and coming before they were huge stars. Yeah. So it would be this kind of like... Remember they had Eric Church before oh. he was like Eric Church. I mean, they had Colt Ford doing yeah. his shit at like noon, okay? Yeah. Colt Ford doing like his hip hop shit at like noon because that's how diverse it was. 
But I figured it out. I go, okay. So they got, when he was alive, let's just say, Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Kenny Rogers is opening up that first night because he's the red meat for all the folks of a certain age of older yeah. to go, well, you want to go to the Hodak this year, mother? We gone every other year. I was looking at the axe. I don't know a lot, but I'll tell you what, Kenny Rogers is opening yeah. up. Go, that sounds like a good time, father. We should go. That's, a, you know, I, I, I figured that part out. So with Dusk, like I said, very hip, electronic, a little bit of indie, very college-focused. University of Arizona is there. It obviously happens when Kids college is, school, is back yeah. in school. So luckily, we're grown-up ravers, electronic music, no problem. But then there's always the red meat on a stick yeah. for the 40-plus crowd. And the first year we were here, it was Jimmy Eat World. Which, by the way, I think for being a one-hit wonder... They have one of the catchiest, like, one-hit wonder songs of all time. The middle yeah. is, like, one of the most catchiest, poppiest songs of the 2000s. But Jimmy Eat World was kind of this, like, weird little golden nugget where I go, well, what, what? they, they kind of stand out. What's, what's up with that? Well, this year for us, it was the band um, 311, which I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. See, I'm not, see, I'm not super familiar. I'm 45 and I knew 311. Yeah. And I'm 41 and like, I didn't know 311, but as soon as I started listening, I picked out a few songs. I'm like, I know those songs. Cause we, yeah, like when they announced the lineup, everything looked very powerful for the chorus. All right. There's some electronic acts. I know there's some newer electronic acts. There's some newer indie bands. Oh, there's 311. Boy, they had a handful of hits in the early 2000s, late nineties. Um, but as we, when we got there and we, we went to see the act that was on, I think like one or two before 311 and you could see the older crowd like us was starting to congregate at that stage for 311. And we're like, this is brilliant. This is how they get them here. It was, it was, it and they'll, was great. they'll stay the whole night. And little did I know, and you may not know this fact either. Right. And, and, and 311. Again, if you don't know the band name, I would very much, much like AJ just said. Just look up some of their songs. Plug it into Spotify. You play their top five. You're like, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, I know that. Oh, I know that song, too. They're one of those bands, right? Um, They have enough. They have probably five songs that you can say, I know. And I did not know that these guys have a cult following, almost to the likes of some of the jam bands, that 311 has been a consistent touring group of the same members since they were founded in Nebraska in 1996. That's nuts. And in fact, when they were on stage last night, the lead singer said, boy, we just celebrated 33 years as a band. That's incredible. And it's weird that I'm at the point where I'm at where I'm going, fuck, the bands, you know, when I was in high school and college, and for them, they were more like college. I would say, technically, for you, that would have meant like you were in a band at 12. They're a little bit older than you. Yeah, right. So, I mean, but still, it's weird to me that bands from my era can now say we've been around 33 years. But if there's proof that they have been around for 33 years, and apparently it seems like same lineup, touring consistently... Um, the proof was all the goddamn people that showed up. Yeah. You don't think 311 is going to pull a crowd? It sure did. Until you see people with like 311 tour t-shirts yeah. from 2007, you're like, oh, you were going to shows in 07. You just weren't there in the 90s. Yeah. You followed it through. 
They were a goddamn great time. I mean, I I watched part of them and then I kind of wandered away. I was in my walking. Yeah, last yeah. Night. She was she was handicapped last night. I'm not handicapped. <laughs> yeah. I have a major regional yeah. Irish dance competition coming up next weekend, so I had to nurse my foot so it doesn't hurt. So I had a walking boot, and I told Pat, I'm like, the foot doesn't even hurt. It's just the walking boot is so damn heavy. It's like it's like being a parent with a toddler wrapped around your leg while you're trying to do stuff. Ooh, that's a good. You know what? That's a great analogy. Now I understand how tiring that would that's get that's what i pass. felt like i'm like i just need to sit down this thing's so damn heavy so i sat down and just kind of listened to 311 and i knew a whole bunch of the songs and i was i was entertained yeah it was a really good show it was a good time out i have a good time getting out when i do i go to these events i know they're not for everyone they're probably some people think they're hell but you never know you never know and this is why i Listen. always encourage people Try new things if you want cheeses you guys. if you want the story of always just say yes there's kind of, uh, isn't there an uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where all Charlie does is start saying yes to I everything? I think so, yeah. And it keeps leading him into more adventures because he just said, keeps saying yes? So we're in line last <laughs> night. We're in line to just get in. Just say yes! And, you know, there's a ton of people our age there. It's not weird. And and really, nobody gives a shit but what it's your a age younger, is. Let, yeah. But let's be honest. This as, is a very young festival, at, yes. At, at, at me being 45, you being 40. One. I was trying to be nice to you. Oh, how nice. We were definitely old enough to be the parents of, a, I'd say, 50% of the crowd. Yeah. 50% of the crowd are only a couple of years older than our son. Yeah. Which is totally fine. That's the young raver crowd. We understand that we have a different place in the scene now, but everyone gets along. Yeah, That's just again, how we are. Yeah, and nobody cares how no old one gives you are. A shit. But, you know, when you are older, you are aware of it. Yes. So we're in line. <laughs> and, you know, I do kind of scope out the crowd to see how many people there are our age yeah, or, kind, or kind older. Kind of curious, right? Or older. This guy walks up to us wearing like, like, like just a lightweight jacket and a, and a baseball cap. And he goes, so what's the deal with this thing? Do people just kind of wear whatever they want? Yeah. I mean, this is a typical, you know, us electronic people. It's almost cosplay at this point. Yeah, I mean, people are, you can wear a Halloween costume, you won't look <laughs> you do weird. whatever you want. People are wearing like cow onesies, they're dressed as baby Yoda, nobody cares. But I can imagine as someone who's just walking up and you're looking at the line, you're like, okay, there's some people just like fairies, there's other people dressed like, you know, hot out on a night, you know, Club, town, yeah. and then there's other people dressed like a donkey, what the fuck is and happening? There's a chick in a bikini with fishnets, what's happening? So this guy comes up and, and kind of tells, "Yeah, hey, what's this?" And and we, "Oh no, it's 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 this music thing and blah 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 blah." And you know, I would say if if I had to guess, I'd say mid fifties, mid to late fifties, yeah. average Midwestern looking guy. So he says, <laughs> "Well, I'm just going to hang out with you guys in line if that's okay." And we're like, "Sure, go figure." He'd already bought a wristband. Yeah, like I sat there because he's like, "So, so this is the line." I go, "Well, yeah." And he goes, so this is how you get in? I go, well, yeah, but you need a wristband. He goes, oh, yeah, I already got one of those from, that. that's over there. Like, there was a box office. So, so this son of a bitch, I mean, just literally, he just walked up. And he's like, what's happening? How do I get in? Oh, I got to buy that? Okay, I... I bought that. What do I do now? And I get in this line. He was slightly uncomfortable, which yeah. is why he scoped us out. And yeah, said, he was very out. much like, oh, I'm trying to figure out what's happening. I'm, like I'm in, yeah, but I don't know what's happening. We're totally cool with it. We're like, we'll kind of we'll work you into this scene. And so we're in line. And we're talking to this guy. First of all, I mean, he's yeah. Go ahead and tell. Where is he from? He's from Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, just again, we are magically drawn to people that we have connections with through some weird pool of the universe. He knew, I shit you not, the shitty, terrible apartments we lived in when we lived 
in, it's like a suburb of, of Appleton Oshkosh. It's Menasha. It's called Menasha. Matrasha. We call it Matrasha. It was a very dumpy apartment. It's, now, all like I, every, it's all we could afford. Every area's got their town that they make fun of. Men- Menasha is, yes, the butt of the joke. That's all right. But he literally said, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He's like, that's on Chain Drive. Oh, I know right where that is. Yeah. So we're like, this is wild. He knew the radio station I used to work at when I when we lived and worked there. He's like, oh, I still listen to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we finally introduce ourselves. His name is Cosmo. That's right, Cosmo. Which is hilarious. Cosmo. We, we've been on a Seinfeld kick lately and watching Seinfeld episodes. And, you know, of course, Cosmo Kramer, it's infamously his first name. It's either Cosmo Kramer or Cosmo the dog. Who's Cosmo the dog? Some full house. <gasps> That's right. No, Cosmo the dog is not as big of a deal. Yeah, as Cosmo but the Kramer. reason why, see, I, then I had a friend who had a golden retriever and they named it Cosmo because of, because of that. So I think of Cosmo the dog, but Cosmo Kramer, regardless. I've never met a Cosmo listen, in real life before. <laughs> my hearing's fucked up enough from the years of doing whatever I did for a living, plus going to live music events and being a you know DJ as well. So when this guy said his name to me, Maybe it's because I grew up in a European immigrant community where people had weird fucking names and I just kind of rolled with it. I thought he said Cosma. Yeah, Pat goes, hey, what's up, Cosma? And then I thought, I mean, I thought it was like a Russian immigrant. I don't fucking know. All right, Cosma, that's you, fine. So then I leaned in and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. What's your name? So he would repeat it. He goes, Cosmo. And I was like, hey, Cosmo. Cosmo. Pat, his name is Cosmo. But a guy named Cosmo from Appleton, Wisconsin, who walked up. This would be, Again, this is like walking up on Lollapalooza in Chicago, where you happen to be in Chicago. And you go, well, there's a lot of fucking people on the other side of that little fence. I'd like to be in there, yeah. too. How do I do that? Well, sir, you go to there and you buy a wristband. Okay, what do I do now? Well, now you get in the line. Okay, what do I do now? Now you have a good time. Okay, I'm going to do that. So we met Cosmo from Appleton. (laughs) Just the coolest guy. He was kind of talking about how he's trying to figure out where he wants to live now that he's retired. Yeah, he wants to get out of of Wisconsin, Yeah, and he's down here to golf with a friend. And, of, of course, we're like, well, we're down here from the Midwest for the weather. So, yes, we recommend it. But, um, you know, once we got through security, we all kind of split up. During 3.11, when I went to sit down because my my walking boot was being annoying, Cosmo shows up. There's Cosmo. Cosmo sits next to me. He goes, well, I wondered how you were faring with that boot. I'm, yeah. like, it's, I'm like, it's just heavy, so I just need to sit down once in a while. But he goes, I saw him like, so what do you think? He goes, this is pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about that because, again, I'm hip to the scene. And it's weird because in my mind, I'm still about 1920. And just the weird shit in the scene, I understand. And it's been my life for like 25, 30 years. But I could imagine someone just walking up, just walking. It It, it has to be like walking into a fucking Comic-Con. Yeah. It has to be like walking into, you know what? I bet you it's probably like what it's like walking into a monster truck jam. Yeah. If you ain't never been to a monster truck jam, it's just got to be so jarring of Holy shit, man. Like, there's someone dressed like a bunny. Um, there's a guy with a cubed head playing some kind of music right now, and there's a band. Our favorite T-shirt of the night uh, was a black T-shirt, and on the back it said, I wear Carhartt because I'm working on myself. The yeah. <laughs> real working man. But, yeah, so Cosmo sits down next to me, and he was like, who's this band playing now? He goes, they sound familiar. I'm like, oh, it's 311. 
And so he's texting his friend back in Appleton. And he, basically, he showed me the text. He's like, just told this guy he just kind of happened upon a music festival in downtown Tucson. And he bought a ticket and walked in. <laughs> and his friend was like, cool, who's, who are you seeing? He goes, 311. And his friend goes, oh, shit, man. that's the only band on the lineup I know. Well, that's cool. What are they playing right now? Yeah. And he's like, they're playing a song called Amber. That's my favorite that's song. It's arguably their biggest it song. It was yeah, just right? hilarious. And, you know, we just kind of, he was asking about Tucson, obviously poking around because he's trying to figure out where to live. Yeah. I kind of told him the pros and cons. There's I not, mean, I gave him the not whole. A, there's not a lot of cons, I'll be honest. I gave him the whole speech just about kind of spreading wings because he'd been a lifelong born and raised Scotty. And, and I understand, man, um, people have. Leaving uh, is hard. It's yeah. not. For, it's not for everybody. You have your systems. You have your families. All types of shit, right? So, but I told him. I said, I'll tell you what, Cosmo. I said I've been on the fucking road since I was 22 years old, all around this great country of ours, and I've experienced some places that I've liked better than others. But I've been all over in different time zones and different people. And I said it's been a fun experience, and I'm here now because this is where I want to be, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But I said, spread those wings, brother. Yeah. I said, go out there, check it out. I said, worst, worst thing that happens, maybe you get bored of it. Pick up and go somewhere you go else. Somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Because once you've done it once, you're not afraid to do it no, again. No, you pop and your cherry, man. He's he seems he really just seems like he's ready. He's he just trying great. to figure out where to go. But it was just it was so cool. Do and again, know, to, just to meet somebody from Wisconsin <laughs> in a line like that. Do you know who he reminded me of? Who? Um, so when we were in uh, Central Wisco, there's a band out there. It was called Tuscan Road. It was a big kind of local band. I think they were kind of maybe working towards a record deal. Didn't quite happen for them. I know some of the members actually work professionally in music now, yeah. touring and all that. Um, but the lead singer was a, a, a country dude. We be, ended up becoming really good friends. And he ended up, the, the band ended up booking some kind of gig in Chicago. So, of course, it's like, hey, we got this gig in your hometown. Yeah. And I go, oh, it's really cool. And, of course, I give him all the recommendations of places to go. And he ends up coming back uh, from this gig, and he's like, I got to tell you something. So apparently, he uh, plays his gig, and you got to imagine his band status at that time. I assume they're playing around maybe 7.30, 8 p.m. Yeah. So when you're done with your 45-minute set, it's not like the night is over. Yeah. Um, he goes, so we're done with our set, and there's some guys backstage, stagehands at this show. They're like, well, we're heading over to this other thing just to hang out. You want to come with us? We know everyone there. We can get you in. You don't need a ticket. So, of course, what do they all just say? Yes. And these are dudes who were country. Yeah. Real country. They walked into a Skrillex show. <laughs> and my buddy, Kevin. God bless oh you. Oh, my God. God bless you, Kevin Moore. Kevin came back to me. He goes, holy fuck, man. I know what you're talking about now. And just talked about, he goes, the energy. Yeah. And because he's a musician, right? So he sees it a little bit differently from the stage performing. He goes, oh my God, I went into this show with this guy and the lights and the energy and the power. Amazing. It was just the most amazing thing. And it's not like he became an EDM DJ, the guy who still plays music and he just still does, you know, country, Americana, folk type stuff. But it was just like he said yes to a lot of experiences that night and it broadened his horizons like yeah. tenfold. And... Do, Do things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. You, you might end up loving it. You them. might fucking like it. You might be like Cosmo. I don't know where Cosmo went. No, Cosmo. Maybe Cosmo was a, fi a, a, a figment of our figment imagination. Of our imagination. <laughs> we were talking to no one. Maybe we were talking to a homeless guy the whole I time. Love, I love this guy, though. He was so nice. And again, just the chances that he'd yeah. be from the state we used to live in. Yeah. Wild. 
It was just yeah. awesome. And then, of course, I told him, I said, please do what the Midwest does best, which is we export our people to <laughs> other parts of the country and we make the rest of the country more sane. Yeah, because Midwesterners are sane. We're the most sane. Nice. I, I love everyone else, but you guys are all a little extreme. So you put Midwesterners in the East Coast, we make it less scary. You put Midwesterners in the South, we kind of, kind of common sense you like a little bit. Yeah. You put us in the West Coast, we'll common sense you in the, yeah. on the West Coast. We told Cosmo, come so, on out here. Cosmo, come on down and jump in the deep end. The Pat and AJ Podcast Network is available on all your favorite audio platforms. Forms. Subscribe today. Follow Pat and AJ on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook now at Pat and AJ. Pat and Support the Pat and AJ Podcast Network today by donating on Venmo or Cash App. Powered by the people. The Pat and AJ Podcast.